Let's talk some Ranger baseball, and let's do it with uh, Jared Sandler from the Ranger Radio Network. Jared, good afternoon. How are you today? Hey, good afternoon, guys. I'm great. How are y'all? Terrific, and I'm going to start with a curveball, and I promise you it's not doctored here. Uh, 35, <laughs> 40,000. Yeah, I'm sorry. 35 or 40,000 people can go to a ball game. How come our visiting broadcast teams can't be in the visiting broadcast booth? That's a great question, but uh, that is going to change after this series. This will be the last road series in which we are not in person, uh, and it was it was uh, a possibility. So I think it was just maybe more out of uh, what's the, the the cool phrase here the last year an abundance of caution. <laughs> but we will be in Houston next week, and then. Uh, starting the the next road trip at the end of the month, which I believe is a West Coast road trip, not only will be will we be on site, but we will be back on the team plane, which just makes life uh, a lot easier. Uh, and and we will have, uh, I, I think, uh, travel as we as we once knew it. So, uh, and I think you're going to start to see that slowly unfold throughout the league. You know, with credit to the Rangers, they've been. Uh, very proactive and, and certainly behind uh, getting us back on the road, and, and definitely appreciate uh, uh, definitely appreciate all their hard work, and, and we're really excited to be able to do that. I, I was joking around a couple of minutes ago, but I, I do want to get your thoughts on on this thing with the with the baseball and. and and first of all, I mean, I remember watching Gaylord Perry at the old old stadium, you know, Turnpike Stadium, if you will, but. It, where do you stand on it, and should it should this topic have gotten as public as it has? I, I guess, yeah. I don't think it ever needed to to escalate like this, right? Like it, it just seems to me, and, and I know that it's very easy for me to say this. And with all these things, there are so many factors in play that we just don't even know about. But it just seems like this is something that could have been nipped in the bud. Uh, with a, a, a lot of ease and, and a lot less stress than what now has uh, amounted from this conversation. And, uh, you know, you're always going to have players who are going to try and uh, push boundaries, cross lines, and that's, that's the reality, right? You know, the, uh, you're, you're never going to create a system that is just going to be 100% foolproof, but you can certainly create a system that is going to reward or uh, de-incentivize, disincentivize those who, uh, you know, do attempt to, to go beyond whatever is allowed. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know the, the science behind all of it. Uh, my thought is that it, it shouldn't be too hard to come up with a, a substance or a list of substances that you can utilize on the baseball that are deemed to be appropriate, that are deemed to give pitchers – uh, the the proper grip without giving them an extreme advantage, and then you you make those rules very clear, and then you also make the punishments for those who violate those rules also very clear, and and maybe you know somewhat harsh, uh, akin to uh, those who you know get punished for for performance enhancing drugs. So uh, I, I don't understand why you know I, I think in some respects perhaps it's because Major League Baseball, much like with the steroid thing, uh, didn't want to deal with it was hoping that it didn't become a problem uh, that, that it's become. But, uh, you know, in some ways there's similarities. In other ways there aren't. The, the really interesting part to me about this is, you know, I could gain 10 home runs from one year to the next as a 27-year-old baseball player. And you might think, oh, steroids. But there's really no way to know for sure. I mean, it's not inconceivable that someone gained 10 home runs from one year to the next uh, without performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, 
Now, a guy who gains 30 home runs and he can't fit in his jersey anymore and his head is 10 times the size, well, that's pretty easy to detect. But it seems like with the, the substances uh, on the baseball, it's pretty easy to figure out who's using it and who's not uh, because the guys who are using it have seen uh, noticeable spikes in their spin rates, and guys who are not using it either aren't taking advantage of whatever you know advantages it can offer they're not smart enough to do it, whatever, uh, or they're just not using it because their spin rates have stayed more or less the same because it has been proven that you cannot add spin rate without adding velocity. So if my spin rate is X and I throw 95 miles an hour, if I throw 95 miles an hour the next year, my spin rate should not be X plus 300 uh, without the use of this substance. So unlike steroids where there really wasn't a, a way to know for everyone, it seems like with the spin rate stuff, uh, it is very easy to figure out which guys are using the substances uh, in a way that crosses the line and which guys aren't. I, I saw or read or heard or something where one guy said it's like hitting a 98-mile-per-hour 90, wiffle ball. So with that in mind, could there be some correlation between the uh, the foreign substance and the high number of uh, no-hitters that we've already seen? I, I mean, I think it, absolutely. I, I think, uh, you know, you've got guys – I mean, listen, at the end of the day, uh, there, there's enough data out there to suggest that, you know, the, the better your spin rate numbers are. And, and I, you know, I'm focusing on the spin rate, obviously, because that appears to be the, uh, the area in which a pitcher gains the, 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 the biggest advantage or, or the biggest improvement from using this stuff because of the additional friction it creates, et cetera. Uh, you know, the better your spin rate, the more effective your pitches are going to perform. You know, the more effective your slider is going to be because it's going to look like a fastball for longer, and then it's probably going to uh, break in, in sharper ways. You know, you, you mentioned the wiffle ball. It's going to have a wiffle ball type movement. These these fastballs uh, that have, uh, you know, high spin rates, they're incredibly difficult to hit, especially when you elevate them. You know, all these things. You know, the Rangers have a reliever right now by the name of Demarcus Evans who throws 93, 94 miles an hour, but hitters react like it's 99 miles an hour because he's got ridiculous spin on his fastball. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, it definitely is. Uh, there, there are probably a lot of factors that contribute to offense being down, uh, you know, pitching success being up. But I, I think that this is definitely uh, maybe the, the biggest piece of the pie because it seems like for whatever reason the floodgates have really opened this year in which pitchers have basically said, hey, Major League Baseball is talking all they, they want, but they're not doing anything about this, and we're going to level the playing field. I mean, even a guy like Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer – is using this stuff, and he, it's been a, an incredibly horribly kept secret. He's essentially using it because Major League Baseball wouldn't do anything about it, and he was tired of, of being behind. Uh, you know, he was very adamant against it, but he said, listen, if Major League Baseball isn't going to do anything about it, uh, you know, guys need to feel like they're on a level playing field. And so, you know, he's not the only one who has that mindset. And, and so that's why you now – uh, have a, a game of follow the leader, and more pitchers are using this, and, and more pitchers are having success. Talking with Jared Sandler of the Ranger Radio Network. Jared, I mean, we've talked in the past with you about the injury woes of the Rangers, really, especially uh, regarding their pitching staff. Uh, and now it's happened again. You have to bring up um, Spencer Patton from the Round Rock. What are the expectations for him right now? Yeah, I, I don't mean this as a, you know in any way disrespectfully towards Spencer Patton. I think he's. He's sort of a placeholder. Uh, you know, hopefully Ian Kennedy's not on the injured list beyond the required amount, and he'll be activated next week when he's eligible. Uh, I, I think the expectation for Spencer Patton is that he's a veteran uh, who, you know, is, is 
pitch to the big league level and can just give you solid production, steady production. He's, you know, the moment's not going to be too big for him. He's not going to uh, just be overwhelmed by, you know, whatever the task is. They're not going to ask him to close out a ball game. But, you know, he did pitch in a, a high leverage spot on whatever the Rangers thought, what day of the week, Wednesday. Uh, and, you know, it's very possible, very likely that with their young and experienced bullpen, he's going to get those opportunities. Uh, but, you know, I don't know that they have, like, this long-term expectation that Spencer Patton's going to be uh, a contributor here throughout this season and beyond. Did I see the, that during the Giants series was the first time y'all were able to get down on field label, level and interact with the coaches and stuff? Yeah, so, you know, as as some of these rules become more and more relaxed, as more uh, more people are vaccinated and, and, and we, you know, move further and further away from the epicenter of, uh, you know, this pandemic, uh, you know, more and more things are, are now possible. So, yeah, we were, for the first time in, uh, gosh, since uh, spring training 2020, and for the first time since the regular season in 2019, we were able to, be on a, a field prior to a regular season game and interact face to face, which is it's huge. You know, I was on a, uh, a, a, a show earlier today, and someone asked me what the thoughts of various players were regarding Pete Alonso's comments about Major League Baseball manipulating the ball based on the upcoming season's free agency class. And, uh, that's one of a million examples where I couldn't give them a good answer because you know we've been so restricted to zooms and and whichever one player we're going to talk to on the zoom prior to the game. But now, even though we're not allowed in the clubhouse, being on the field allows us to, you know, track down Nick Solak and, and Jose Trevino and Isaiah counter fluff and whoever walks by us and this coach and that coach and just shoot the breeze. And then I, Hey, what, what do you think about Pete Alonso's comments or what this, what that? And, uh, and so it's, it's going to hopefully uh, be noticed by the fans who, who consume, whether it's our broadcast or the, the content, created by the, the various writers around the league. It just, it, it's just it's another level of access that we're getting back that hopefully better allows us to tell the stories uh, with the most detail possible uh, that, that bring these guys and bring these teams to life. Jerry, talk a little bit about Chris Davis. Obviously, he got behind the eight ball with the injury early, couldn't get on the field. When he finally did get on the field, the, uh, the production just wasn't there, and he was designated for assignment. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, it didn't work out for Chris. Uh, you know, as to some degree, thankfully, uh, we were on the field that, that first day, the day it was announced. So we actually got to talk to a lot of players. And uh, I can tell you something that I, if this would have happened a week ago, I couldn't say for sure. But he was, you know, someone that the guys in, in very short time really took to. And, and the guys were very sad. Uh, I think someone used the word melancholy. I, I, that's probably appropriate. I think they know, you know, these guys aren't, aren't silly. They know Chris Davis wasn't producing at a level that, uh, maybe made sense for him to remain with the ball club. Not every player necessarily understands the nuances of team building and roster construction, but I think they got it. But they all, you know, to a man said, that, like, this guy was a big influence. And, you know, for some guys, you know that you can tell from afar. I, I don't know that I could definitively tell you that Chris Davis was. He's a very quiet, reserved guy, doesn't love interacting with the media, which is totally okay, you know, in, in light of the Naomi Osaka stuff. Not everyone loves you know, having those sorts of uh, front and center conversations. But the players loved him. Uh, so hopefully there is some impact. But, you know, just as a reminder to, to people, when the Rangers made that trade, they acquired four tangible things, uh, three people and then something that's financial. Chris Davis was the fourth most important out of those four things. In, in no particular order, the three things that were more important, Dane Acker, Jonah Heim, 
and then getting rid of Elvis's financial obligations beyond this season. You know, they did have to pay Chris Davis for this year. Uh, it's not like that was a, you know, a team-friendly deal, and they're, they're going to have to maintain paying him because I can't imagine anyone's going to claim him. But the, the real goal was for after this season, for the upcoming offseason and beyond, to have as much financial uh, flexibility as possible. And so that trade uh, satisfied that and then gave you two young players, a pitcher, Dane Acker, who unfortunately is out for the rest of the year, and then Jonah Heim, who's been a part of a, a really successful defensive uh, pairing uh, behind the play with Jose Trevino. So Chris Davis was the, the fourth of those four. If it worked out great, unfortunately it didn't work out. And, uh, you know, the Rangers decided at this point in time it didn't make sense to continue to use that roster spot and, and use those at-bats on someone who wasn't going to be a part of the future and instead use those spots or those opportunities on a guy or guys to figure out what they have. And, and right now that guy who's going to benefit directly is Eli White. And that's what we were talking about. It, it For these young guys right now, it's about ABs, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's really a, a year of discovery. Uh, you know, figuring out who's who can do this, who can do that, who can't do this, who can't do that. You know, with Nick Solak, can he hit righties at a level that, that you know justifies him being an everyday player? Trying to figure that out. Uh, you know, Joey Gallo. You know, what what type of a, a player is he? And obviously, there's questions as to whether or not the Rangers are going to move Joey Gallo. Uh, Isaiah Kainafalepa is he is he going to be able to hit enough over the course of the year? to be an everyday player. Uh, and, and so far, seems like that's the case. Uh, you know, you got all these questions, and, uh, you know, it's, it's different questions for different guys. You know, you're, you're trying to find out, you know, different levels of things. You know, for Eli White, it, it might be, is Eli White an everyday player? But you also might simply be asking the question, hey, is Eli White someone who can be on a 26-man roster as a fourth outfielder? You know, it, so it's not always, is this guy a star or not? There, there are a lot of levels in between, and, uh, you're not really going to be able to find that out unless you give these guys consistent opportunities. And, you know, Eli White hasn't done anything up to this point to show that he is a, an everyday major league player, even if not an everyday major league starter. But he's going to get presumably a couple months worth of the bats to show that he is or he isn't. And, uh, you know, I think with a lot of these young guys, uh, that's, that's really imperative because you can, you can have a lot of success in AAA, and Eli White certainly has done that uh, so far this year. But at some point, you got to be able to do it at the big league level. And it's awfully tough to ask a young guy to do it when he only plays once every four games or only starts once every four games. And it seems like Eli White's going to get the opportunity to, to start consistently. Hey, Jared, thank you. Appreciate your time and uh, have a great call tonight. Hey, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you having me. Talk to you soon. That's uh, Jared Sandler from the Ranger Radio Network.